Hello, Let Me Listen podcast listeners. Would you like this part of the podcast to be filled with ads for shaving clubs or underwear clubs or web hosting sites? Yeah, I didn't think so. Neither do we. So this is just a quick announcement to let you know that after several requests from fans, um, Let Me Listen podcast has opened a Patreon page. So if you would like to help support this show and um, some of the other shows that uh, Let Me Listen podcast produces, then please go to patreon.com slash lemme underscore listen and make a pledge or just click the Patreon link on the Let Me Listen website. We're only asking for $1 a month, and the funds will go to making these podcasts better and ad-free. If you can't or just don't want to, don't worry about it. We still love you, and uh, thanks for listening. A podcast we'd like to recommend is the Pre-Review Podcast with the Celluloid Stallions. Every week, TNT pre-review an exciting new release in a movie podcast that thoroughly dissects movies regardless of them being released or not. No movie is safe. Unless these horses' asses haven't heard of it. You can find the pre-review podcast on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, Facebook, and Twitter. Just search for the Pre-Review Podcast. Ho ho! Welcome to Late Seating! I'm Santa Claus! And have you been a good little boy this year? <laughs> I'm Steve Shives, and yes, I have, Santa. Oh, good. I have nowhere to way, go with this bit. <laughs> I, well, I, I was going to say, you sound an awful lot like the spooky ghost voice at the beginning of our Halloween episode. Boogity boogity, I'm the ghost <laughs> of Santa Claus. <laughs> That's right, kids, Santa's dead. I'm sorry, kids, there's no Santa, it's just me, Jason Hardig. And welcome to Late Seating, a special Christmas episode of Late Seating, where Steve and I take an old movie, a classic film, at least 10 years old, and we give it a fresh review and see if it holds up to the praise or the insults that have been leveled against it over the years. And this time around, we're going to take a look at a classic film, which deals with, um, gee, I don't know, Steve, usually I come up with something stupid. But I can't think of anything stupid for this movie, like like um, one of its bigger themes, family dynamics. How, yeah, there how you go. Mid twentieth century family dynamics. Yeah, how a dysfunctional family deals with crises like rabid dog attack or potentially explosive furnaces. That's right. We're taking a look at the perennial Christmas favorite, a Christmas story. Ah, uh, yes. Oh, that's all you have to say. Oh, I think Steve don't like this movie. <laughs> no, no, no. It's fine. It's fine. Oh, well, good. Now that we have our reviews in, we're done. <laughs> Merry Christmas, Thanks for everybody. listening, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I ju- you know, I just think it gives too much away with the title. I'm sorry. You think so? Maybe yeah, they should have Maybe they should have uh, clouded it up a little bit. Maybe they could have <laughs> called it um, uh, a festive story. You know what? Yeah, or... Christmas a story, story related is a to bit some aggressive holiday. for everyone who doesn't celebrate Christmas. It is, yes, it they is. They should have called it a holiday story mm-hmm. or non-denominational end-of-year celebration story. Yeah. Or, well, maybe, or maybe they should have gone the other way and been more aggressive and called it, fuck you, it's Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Could have called it an Xmas story just to 
piss off uh, the people who have a problem with that. Yeah, that's true. Well, let's take a look at who's uh, responsible for this movie, shall we? Let's do it. Okay. I can hardly wait. <laughs> Are you? Are you <laughs> clapping your little <laughs> Christmas hands together? Oh, yes. Okay, yes. let's see. It was directed by Bob Clark. Produced by Rene Dupont and Bob Clark. Written by Gene Shepard, Lee Brown, and Bob Clark. Jeez, Bob, you're all over this thing. Uh, based on In God We Trust, All Others Pay Cash by Gene Shepard. And it stars Peter Billingsley, Ian Petrella, Melinda Dillon, Darren McGavin, Scott Schwartz, R.D. Robb, Zach Ward, Yano Anya. That sounds like a Star Wars name. <laughs> Yano Anya of the Rebels. <laughs> He's our best pilot. I think this is Teddy Moore. Ted. T-E-E-T-E-D-D-E. It's a, it's a, a girl's name. Yeah. Teed. Teddy. Ted. Teed. <laughs> Ted. There's always one name. How come we just can't have one where there's a name that's pronounceable, all of them from the top to the bottom? <laughs> Jeff Gillen, and it's narrated by Gene Shepard. Music by Carl Zitterer and Paul Zaza. I hate you both. You <laughs> nearly destroyed this movie. I'm putting this in early. You, ooh, what'd you think you were doing? Were you scoring a cartoon? What's wrong yeah. with you? Anyway, sorry, that's a bit early, guys. Um, music. Just, just couldn't uh, contain it. I did music. You got me so upset, Carl and Paul. What were you doing? <laughs> Cinematography by Ren Reginald H. Morris. Edited by Stan Cole. It was produced by MGM, and it was released on November 18th, 1983. Running time, 93 blessed minutes. <laughs> <sighs> The budget was $3.2 million, and the box office was $19.3 million. So it wasn't like a Titanic hit. This was, not, this was not one of those movies that was super popular when it was in theaters. In fact, critics were kind of like, eh, whatever, <laughs> it's a Christmas movie. No one was really making Christmas movies at the time that this movie came out. Um where this really became famous, why we all know about it, why we can't escape a Christmas story, why it's been turned into a play and now into a musical on Broadway, is because when uh, Ted Turner got his greedy little mitts on it, he slapped it onto his cable channels and he played that thing until you couldn't, you knew everything about this movie. I bet that's probably where you saw it, right, Steve? On a TNT marathon. Uh, the, the... I I I saw it before they started doing those marathons, but yeah, I mean, I yeah, I saw it because it was played incessantly on TV. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I didn't. I actually, I don't think I saw it in the movie theaters. I think I saw it when it came on HBO in '85, which is uh, a lot of people claim is when people really started to pay attention to the film was when it mm -hmm. hit HBO, and then and then Turner, of course, uh, kind of. Ugh, I don't. I like I love this movie, but do we need twenty four hour marathons? I mean, they play this movie on a loop on Christmas. I know. Look, they can't do it with "It's a Wonderful Life" anymore, and the rules of Christmas state that you must play a favorite holiday film to death during the Christmas season. Yeah, Grinch the Soul Christmas is too short. Yeah, <laughs> and Black Christmas, another another Christmas movie directed by Bob Clark, is a slasher film, and I don't think people want to watch that. <sighs> Political correctness <laughs> did, gone mad. Did you really? What's wrong with American audiences? They don't want to watch a, a horror movie at Christmas time on a loop. Oh, I guess murder and terror doesn't remind you of the holidays. Whatever. 
You people. I don't understand why people don't want to watch a Canadian horror movie that birthed the slasher genre all the time, constantly. What's wrong with people nowadays? I don't know, man. Their priorities are all messed up. They want to watch cute little kids, their bizarre fantasy lives, all the time. So, you want to, do you want to recap the plot? Again, yeah, needlessly let's... for this movie that all of us pretty much have memorized at this point. <laughs> let's tell people who have already seen the movie what happens in the movie. Well, you know what? There may be people who have never seen it. They're like, I don't, know. I'm not interested in that. That looks syrupy and stupid. And it takes place in a time that I was never alive. Or the grandparents who lived then are dead, or they just don't want to talk about it. <laughs> Grandpa, what was Christmas like in the '40s? I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's recap the plot to A Christmas Story. Steve? Take yes, it away. well, as, as you mentioned a moment ago, A Christmas Story takes place in the 1940s, and it is narrated by the grown version of its main character, which is Ralphie. Who Do you mean in, grown in, in, as in grown up or grown as in, uh, narration? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> grown up. Okay. Adult. Yeah, the, you're uh, never escaping this narration. You think, oh, look, they're introducing it with a little narration. Nope. Nope. He Gene Shepard talking. handles most of most of Ralphie's dialogue in this movie. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Um, but as if, in the film, as we as we follow him, Ralphie is nine years old, and yeah. he lives in this little town in Indiana. And, uh, you know, it's him and his parents and his younger brother. And when we first meet them in the movie, uh, all the people in the town, mostly the kids, are gathering outside the, the front window of a department Higby's. store. Higby's. Higby's. Yeah, we open, we open in Homan, Indiana, which is a fictional yeah. city. And it's also where Norman Rockwell threw up his Christmas spirit <laughs> all over the place. <laughs> because hokey smokes. Yeah. Someone came it's out a with a nostalgia town, stick yeah. and just starts hitting you from the very beginning of this movie. And we get nostalgic for a time period that we never lived in, never experienced. <laughs> and quite honestly, I don't think actually ever existed. No, no, no. I mean, it's it's difficult to imagine kids getting as excited over, you know, the stuff in the window as these kids are when we first But you know what? They movie. probably did. I mean, Maybe. We, we cut to the Higby's window and they're showing the toys that are in there. And to us, people who've grown up with toys that talk and throw ninja stars at things and probably has a button that you can press that'll bleed real blood and, you know, <laughs> super advanced toys and video games. And these kids are like model trains, Raggedy Ann and Andy dolls. <laughs> I think there's a rocking chair in there. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, who wants a rocking chair? Come on, kids. <laughs> You know, you're right, though. This was a simpler time. This mm -hmm. was a, an age, you know, modern medicine was still a recent invention. People were still mostly drinking alcohol just to avoid getting cholera. Yeah. Uh, you know, this was... This no one was ever a, a said simpler... anything about alcoholism if you drank all no. the time? No. No TV. Mm-mm. You know. So, yeah, they... they... They were transfixed by the the toys and the Christmas display in the department store. And mm -hmm. of, of particular note to our young hero is, of course, the soon-to-be legendary official Red Rider carbine Pump action, action. 200-shot range model air rifle, a.k.a. Mm -hmm. a BB gun. America! <laughs> <laughs> that is what Ralphie wants. That is that 
object on which Ralphie has set his young heart. That is the MacGuffin for the movie, basically. That's mm-hmm. what motivates every every one of Ralphie's significant actions in this movie is he wants this fucking BB gun. Right. So we, we, we see Ralphie gazing longingly into the window, and then we kind of flash back with help from the narrator to explain, you know, how he has gone about trying to get this BB gun. And, right. Uh, and we, we join the family at the breakfast table. What, wait, wait a minute. A family eating breakfast together? That's I guess that's what people used to do. At the same table? Not oh, one person off time. in the living room looking at an iPad? <laughs> no iPads. Oh, yeah, that's right. No one TV. Gotta be watch- oh, no. no computers. Yeah. What? No computers. No cr- you mean people had to interact with each other? Like, all the time? Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. And I'm not any happier about it than you are. Mm-hmm. It's around <laughs> this time when we're, we're joining everyone for breakfast that we, we begin to understand that Ralphie is a toxic level of cute. <laughs> yeah. He's like weapons-grade cute. If we just replaced his smiling face as our flag, no one would ever attack the United States because they just look at the flag and go, "Oh no, we can't do that." <laughs> what are we cute doing? The United States is. <laughs> anyway, he's trying to get his fan, his mom to like. He wants a red. He tells her that he wants a BB gun, and she's like, "No, you'll kill yourself. Are you kidding? You'll you'll shoot your eye out." Is the is the line? Yeah, she says. And we meet uh, the old man, um, played by, uh, why do I want to say Gavin McLeod? I know that's not him. <laughs> Darren McGavin. Darren McGavin. And his little brother, played by some dude, and um, Melinda Dillon as the mom. And um, this opening salvo of his is where I want to be begun, and she says no. And we first encounter something that Ralphie does quite a bit in this movie, and that is he drifts off into a fantasy land. <laughs> yes. That is very disturbing in a number of ways. He he has this fantasy in which he is now a cowboy. <laughs> and what a cowboy. Oh, boy. he's He's got chaw, and he's saving his family from burglars. And... um. He goes up to a window, and the burglars are coming over the fence and coming over the shed, and he starts shooting them and laughing. Yep. (laughs) He's killing people and giggling. (laughs) This is his fantasy life. (laughs) Oh, but thankfully, that psychotic episode ends. uh... (laughs) He comes back to us in reality soon enough. Yeah. And uh, then... uh... What's his little brother's name? Oh, shit. Little brother. I can't think of his little brother's name. <laughs> Randy. Randy, okay. Randy gets uh, bundled up in more clothes than you could possibly imagine to go to school, and they go to school. <laughs> and uh, as soon as Ralphie is away from his parents, he's a foul-mouthed little jerk, along with his other friends are a foul-mouthed little jerks. <laughs> and they're talking about how if you stick your tongue onto something metal... In the wintertime, it'll stick to it, and, um, yeah. <laughs> this movie is so weird, because it's like, I'm trying to grasp on to the, the overall plot, and it doesn't have one. No, there isn't one. It's just one episode after another. The, the, the main, <laughs> the, the only thread tying it all together is that the kid really wants a BB gun. Yeah, so they get to school, and Flick, who is one of Ralphie's friends, and Schwartz, 
are daring each other back and forth, calling each other's names to get Flick to stick his tongue to the the to the flagpole, and their dialogue um, predicts the exact nature of internet commentary. <laughs> of this exactly. Point. <laughs> this is how prescient this film is. It it it, it predicts internet commentary a good thirty years before it uh, it ever comes around. But eventually, Flick uh, sticks his tongue to the flagpole, and it sticks there. And then his friends abandon him to die. <laughs> yep. Sorry, the bell rang. All right, we Sorry, gotta go Flick. back to school. It's been nice knowing you, Flick. We'll we'll put some flowers on your corpse when we leave for right. get out of school. Is that okay? Enjoy freezing to death, my friend. Yeah. Thankfully, they have a, a, a astute teacher, Mrs. Fields, or Miss Fields. Sorry, she's not married. I'm sorry. One day, Mrs. Fields, either you will be able to love openly <laughs> the the person that you're in love with. I guess I am implying that maybe you're a lesbian and this is 1939 and you're not allowed to, or you just maybe you don't want to find out so i'm not going to judge you maybe you know maybe you're asexual you don't want to be with anybody i don't know it's obvious that you're at least in your 40s miss fields and you're not married and in 1939 that's kind of weird i'm just i'm just saying you're not being judgmental you're just trying to figure it out no i am it, i'm being judgmental oh, okay, what's wrong with trying you? To, <laughs> <laughs> i'm being so judgmental you're even if you me? married someone and died dude died you'd still be mrs fields and then you could just found that cookie company <laughs> <laughs> well, see, it's all going to work out eventually for her. Miss Fields is Ralphie's teacher, and thankfully, she knows how many kids are supposed to be in the classroom, and she wants <laughs> to know where Flick is. And still, none of the kids are like, "We're murdering him slowly outside. We're not telling you." <laughs> <laughs> He's long gone by now, ma'am. Might as well not even worry about it. But they look out. But she looks outside. She can see Flick flailing wildly at the. <laughs> <laughs> at the flagpole crying desperately for any help <laughs> and then the cops called and the fire department's called and they finally rip him off of it yeah when even i could have told them just get some lukewarm water and pour it onto the flagpole and he'll unstick that's all it takes <laughs> this was the dawn of modern science they didn't know these things yet <laughs> They better hurry up and learn because we're going to be at war with Germany in like a year. <laughs> and you think that that's probably the first thing they figured out? Well, we know how to unstick the tongue from the metal during the winter time. We can take over the world. We have secret tongue metal technology. <laughs> and then, and then our military worked extra hard to close the tongue freezing gap. That's why we. That's originally why we got Einstein. Yeah, that's what pulled us out of the depression. All that research and development, you know. Man, I think we could make a bomb. We're not interested in that. We want to know about tongue metal technology. (laughs) How can you get someone's tongue off of a flagpole? It's easy if it's warm water. Holy crap! This guy's a super genius. (laughs) Get him to a safe house. Um. So anyway, they get Flick off the flagpole. They bring him back into the class. He he refuses to rat on his friends right. because that's what kind of stand-up guy Flick is. He's right, because snitches on his get stitches. That's right, and Flick ain't no no snitch. It's around this time that you start noticing the soundtrack when it's not yeah. Christmas standards that they're using for the soundtrack. 
you start to notice that maybe the people who composed the music for this movie did not understand that they were composing a movie with living people in it and not <laughs> some kind of weird cartoon from 1942. Because <laughs> the music is just, I'll just say it, the original music for this movie is god-awful, and it sticks yeah. out like a sore thumb. Um, I mean, just little, I mean, there's a scene where there are dogs in which they're playing, what, turkey in the straw? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> which I've only ever heard during a Warner Brothers cartoon. I've never <laughs> heard it, like, I'm sitting and listening to the radio, and now, M&M, <laughs> turkey in the straw. <laughs> It's it's you know why didn't Eminem ever sample that for for a song? Oh, there's potential there. Um. Anyway, they're walking back from school. Flix Flick's got a bandage on his tongue, and he seems okay about it. <laughs> poor little kid. I yeah, mean... poor little kid. But their day's about to get a lot worse. Yeah, yeah. There's the bullies that they run into. Who are those people? Who are they, Steve? There's, well, there's there's Scott Farkas. Ugh. And then there's his sidekick, uh, Grover Dill, Grover Dill, Joe Pesci to his Robert De Niro, <laughs> and Farkas actually seems like like a big kid who's been held back a few years, mm-hmm. and you could imagine why he'd be like really intimidating to like a, a couple of nine year olds. Yeah. Uh, Grover is clearly just along for the ride, and and you know getting <laughs> getting. Uh, respect because he's he's got Farkas on his side exactly but yeah he's really tiny he's like smaller than all than the kids they're bullying yeah anyway so they get they get harassed they get bullied and and no one runs runs to the principal and and no one starts a movement and (laughs) nobody runs to the internet to complain about how their son is being bullied yeah because in my day people knew how to take being harassed and abused (laughs) Well, in, in my day, you just when you got bullied, you didn't say anything to anybody, and you carried that secret shame with you forever, and then you yeah. just pushed way down until it became white-hot rage, and then you looked up your bully later on, and you hit him with your car at night. <laughs> yeah, you know, the good I old mean, days. I mean, you let it go. <laughs> <I'm>... <laughs> I'm just trying to cover my ass in case one of the bullies that I had when I was in school has actually been killed in an automobile accident. <laughs> Disclaimer, that was a joke. <laughs> I never did that. Yeah. So what happens next, Steve? <laughs> Putting you on the spot um, because this is such a, it's such a disjointed story and it really does all... not have a plot arc. Well, it no, does, but it doesn't. It's yeah, it's and then this happened. Yeah. Um this okay, so Ralphie goes home and uh his his dad comes home and I think this is where we we first meet the dogs, the neighbors dogs. The Bumpus's dogs. The, the Bumpuses. The, the the Bumpuses apparently have this this herd this pack as described of dogs. The, the their hillbilly neighbors, the Bumpuses. Yeah. And uh the the and also as the narrator establishes, the dogs apparently don't care about anybody except for Ralphie's old man. Mm-hmm. They they chase him around, they they bark at him, they make his life a nightmare. Yeah. So uh And that's yeah. where we get turkey in <laughs> so, the straw. So the old man gets home and he announces to the family that he's won a prize. A major award. A major award. He don't say he a prize. Entered, he's very specific. A, a major, major award. award. He he entered some kind of a contest or something, yeah. and he got uh, a telegram saying that the the prize was coming tonight. Mm-hmm. And he's so excited that he even sticks his leg out the door for the Bumpus's dogs to chew on. Yeah, 
because that's just how excited he is. And then he shuts the door on one of the bu- on one of the Bumpus' dog's ears. <laughs> yes. Fortunately, he comes back and releases the dog like ten seconds. Because the old man isn't cruel per se. No. I mean, any other man would have gone out there with a shotgun. He was like, "I'm done with these dogs once and for all." <laughs> yeah. But that would have ruined the ending of the movie. <laughs> yeah, you need to keep the dogs around. And it would have been a tonal shift. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, did Dad just kill every one of those dogs? <laughs> You're goddamn right I did! Yeah. So, uh, they all have dinner. And um, this has been kind of hinted at, but Randy, Ralphie's little brother... Um, Ralphie's little brother has... Uh, some problems. <laughs> he has an eating disorder. He cries a lot. Okay. Yeah, he does. He does cry a lot, but he does have an eating disorder. <laughs> in which, as stated by the narrator, Randy has not voluntarily eaten in three years. <laughs> <laughs> so his mother has to get him to trick him into eating by getting him to oink and do what is possibly the most disgusting food thing I've ever seen in a movie. Yeah. Where he oinks and just crams a plate of food into his face. And he's <laughs> giggling and he lo- loves every minute of it. But before we can all barf, <laughs> there's a knock on the door. Who's at the door, Steve? It's the delivery guy yeah. with the old man's major award. And it's yeah. this humongous wooden crate yeah. that they bring in. And mm-hmm. it says fragile on the top of it, which the mm-hmm. old man misreads as fragile. <laughs> and he says... Must be Italian. <laughs> he was just excited. He was excited, I know. Yeah. And he, he 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 busts open the crate because this was before they shipped shit in cardboard boxes, so if you got something in the mail, you'd better have like a hammer and a chisel so yeah. you could get it out. Yeah. I think he, houses he pull- came with a hammer and chisel. Because, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was standard equipment, like when you rent an apartment and there's a refrigerator, you know? It's yeah, like exactly. Hammer, chisel. Um, Amazon back then was two guys. Who didn't have to pretend to be nice to you. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't care about you and they let you know it. Who overpackaged the shit out of this this item oh that he God. gets. Yeah, it's this crate the size of a of a, a full size coffin. Mm-hmm. And it's stuffed with like straw. Yeah. And inside of it, of course, as anyone who's seen the movie knows, is a uh, a very large lamp in the shape of a woman's leg. Yeah. And like a quarter of her butt at the very top. Yeah, yeah, and mm-hmm. uh, a stocking and a high heel. Yeah, and at first, and I guess uh, the lampshade is supposed to be like the dress on the. Yeah, top. and and at first the old man doesn't quite know what it is because he doesn't see the lampshade until later, and he's like, yeah. "Well, it's like it's like a statue." Yeah. I guess he's he's sincerely under the impression that his prize is a weird statue of a severed leg, <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then he's like, "No, it's a lamp." He's and of got course, some kind of serial killer fetish going yeah, on. Yeah. Where what kind of contest did you enter, Dad? It's a prostitute severed leg, complete with a with a high heel shoe. Isn't it great? But it's a lamp. Yeah, and, and his uh, wife is not happy about it at no. all. No, she and he finds wants it to very put it up tacky. In the front, yeah, he wants to put it up in the front window for the entire block to see, and that's what he does because he's the man <laughs> in the house. It's 1939 or 1940. He does what he wants to do, and it doesn't matter that his wife is like, uh, uh-uh. uh, does no. <laughs> She has no agency. She makes meals. <laughs> That's it. And then she tricks her children into eating them by pretending to be pigs. That's right. That's what a woman does. So, uh, then he goes outside to look at it, and a small crowd gathers. 
because they think someone's playing a video game. No, I think yes. <laughs> Heard Ralph has almost got the high score. We need to stop pulling from our other reviews. <laughs> People I, will I, just get lost. I think it ties it all together quite nicely. Okay, like we're a series? Sure, whatever. Fine, we need to come up with a story arc for all of the shows then. <laughs> okay, well, hey, it worked for Star Wars. Let's just come up with one now. Oh, okay. Um, I mean, I don't know. Uh, how do you do that for a movie review show? I don't know. We'll have to. We'll have, you know what? We'll come back to it. No, we won't. Okay. <laughs> We're going to stop dead in the middle of this review right now and figure this out. Anyway, he's out there, and, and Bob Clark has his, his cameo as a guy yeah. who's like, well, What's that thing? And he's like, That's a major award. I won it. Yay. And then the boys <laughs> listen to Little Orphan Annie, and that scene's over. Yay. <laughs> And then the next day at school, the teacher goes, "Hey, you guys are gonna, you guys are gonna write a." Um, she said, "You're gonna write a theme about what you want for Christmas." And Ralphie's like, "Yeah, if I write a really great theme, then everyone will be convinced that um, I can have a BB gun." And then Ralphie has another weird fantasy, where I'm not totally sure if he's not in love with his teacher. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you get that. Anyway, in this fantasy, she is upset because she's reading a whole bunch of really awful, awful themes. And then she reads Ralphie's, which is perhaps the most awful out of all of them. (laughs) (laughs) But she gives it an A++, which she then writes on the chalkboard and then proceeds to write it on the walls. Yep. And the students pick him up and they cheer him and, and everything's awesome. And she's blowing him kisses and he's blowing her kisses. And for some reason, she's dressed like an 1870s school mom. (laughs) Yeah, I'm telling you, Ralphie's into some weird shit. And I'm telling you right now, I'm really, really glad that the fantasy ended when it did. Yeah. Because we were going to get into French postcard territory in a second (laughs) or two. (laughs) Thank you, Bob Clark, for knowing when to end a scene. (laughs) Hey, Bob Clark also directed Porky's, so it could very easily have gone that way. Think about that, won't you? <laughs> Think about where it could have gone, if not for the discretion of the director. <sighs> oh, but that scene's over. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and then what? And then next is it? Is next when Ralphie gets home and he and he gets the decoder ring in the mail? Nope. Or is that that's that's later? No, that's later. Now we have to yeah. go get the tree. Oh, that's right. They're going. Yeah, they go out and get the Christmas tree. Yeah. And the the guy at the Christmas tree lot. You know, he they first he's like this. This tree, this is the best tree ever. And then he's like, "See, it won't even drop any needles." And then he stumps it on the ground, and a bunch of needles fall off. And he's like, mm-hmm. yeah, "Okay, never mind the hell with that tree. What about this tree?" And eventually, they find like the perfect tree. Yeah, for them. Yeah, and and they strap they it to it the. Home. They strap it. Yeah, they strap it to the top of the car. But oh no! On the way home, the car has a blowout. And do they have an existential crisis and stare at each other for set ten minutes, wondering why they are like this as a family? <laughs> it, it, does it, is there a scene in which Ralphie's father goes, "I don't know if I can continue in this family anymore. I'm de- I, I'm deeply dissatisfied. I I I found way too much uh, pride and, and and fulfillment in what is obviously an awful lamp. Uh, does anyone else in this family feel trapped? Like we're just fulfilling family roles that society deems necessary, but in all honesty, I really hope that there is a war coming where I can escape this family and seek personal heroism. 
<laughs> that doesn't Randy happen. chimes in, everything is a lie. <laughs> the American God is dream dead. is dying. <laughs> there is no American dream, is there, Daddy? Is that what happens, Steve? No, actually what happens oh, is the old... Uh, what happens is the old man excitedly turns to his wife before he gets out of the car to change the tire and says, time me. Yeah, because he, he likes... Because uh, apparently like, they've had so many flat tires that he has well, established he said, the, the a record. The narration says that he bear, when he buys tires, he buys the cheapest kind of uh, a tires possible so that they, 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 they blow immediately or something. Because, you know, he... I guess it's worth endangering yourself and your family mm-hmm. to save a few bucks on tires. Mm-hmm. Anyway. This is before Ralph Nader <laughs> fucked everything up anyway, you know. <laughs> I mean, there weren't any auto safety regulations. None of them are wearing seatbelts. I don't even think no. there are any in the car. No, <laughs> I don't think there They're are. They're driving in a car that has plate glass windows. <laughs> yes. There's no safety features. They're definitely going to die. I mean, People live vicariously, and they knew it. They knew how dangerous day-to-day life was. Getting into a car back then was just like, oh, everyone was a thrill junkie. Absolutely. <laughs> Seatbelt, safety glass. What the hell are you talking about? Exactly. Uh, anyway, um, they send Ralphie out to go help his dad. And Ralphie is going to sit there with the hubcap upside down to get the bolts while his dad changes the tire, and then his dad knocks the hubcap out of Ralphie's hands, and they go flying off into the dark, and Ralphie says what, Steve? Well, uh, as far as we can hear, he says, oh, fudge, but the narrator helpfully tells us that in real life, what he actually said was the F dash 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 word, also known as fuck. He said fuck. He (laughs) says, oh, fuck. And Ralphie's dad is like, you are in a lot of trouble. And Ralphie immediately starts to cry. (laughs) Yep. And then Ralphie's dad tells the mom, and she screams in abject terror. (laughs) (laughs) And then uh, we cut back to the house, and she's shoved a bar of soap directly into his mouth. Mm -hmm. And this is an interrogation scene. And I hope the NSA is taking notes, because apparently it works. Yeah. Kind of. I mean, he still lies. He, he lies. He tells him something. <laughs> but see, this is why torture doesn't work. <laughs> because everyone blames Schwartz. They get yeah. You get <laughs> erroneous information. Mm-hmm. She asked him, "Who who taught you that word?" And the truth was was that of course his father taught him that word because yes. he cusses all the time. But he does it in this kind of very PG G rated way in the movie where it's Karn Frana Pramen Right. Because if I guess um, if we had the real words in there, number one, it wouldn't be a PG. Is it a PG movie or a G movie? I don't know exactly. It's one I of those. I think it's a PG. It's, but yeah, he, it's established that, that the old man swears profusely, but we yeah. don't hear very much of it because no. that would that would that would make this a, a this yeah. would, that wouldn't make this a family movie. Exactly. <laughs> um, but he can't say his dad, so he gives up one of his friends, Schwartz. Yeah, and now we cut to what may be the most disturbing um, scene in the movie, yeah. in which Ralphie's mom calls Schwartz's mom and tells Schwartz's mom that Ralphie learned the F word from Schwartz, and what we then hear is perhaps a child being murdered <laughs> over the yeah. phone <laughs> for our amusement, for for comedic effect. Yes. We hear beating and a kid screaming and a woman having a complete breakdown <laughs> over the phone. 
pretty much, yeah. And and Ralphie's mom just kind of hanging up. Yeah. Like, oh. And then, <laughs> and then she sends Ralphie to his room. And Ralphie has another episode. <laughs> yes. One of the time, darkest episodes. One of the darkest ones. In which this time, Ralphie fantasizes that he has gone blind because of the soap his mom used to, wash, to <laughs> stick in his mouth. He, uh, apparently, as soon as you go blind, you turn into a homeless person who has to beg for change. (laughs) (laughs) And his parents fall down and start crying, and he's exacting some sort of revenge in that sense. The whole point is that his parents would feel awful if something bad happened to him because it was their fault. Right. And then that scene ends. Right? He feels That's better it. because of the fantasy. He's, he's yeah. like, yeah, okay. So one day they'll be sorry and he feels better. Right. Okay, next day, uh, once again, I'm going to reinstate. I'm not really certain if Fran- if uh, Ralphie is not in love with his teacher. Because uh, it's gift-giving day. And the kids are given... Uh, mi- is her name Miss Fields or Miss Shields? I think it's Miss uh, Shields. I think it's Miss Shields. But it's yeah. hard to tell because, yeah. you know, Ralphie has an adorable speech impediment. He doesn't. <laughs> a little bit. I mean, not no. like an impediment, but you know, he he just he talks very fast, and sometimes it's difficult to tell what he's trying to say. Okay. You know? Um, the kids are giving him like giving her like apple and little snow globes or whatever, and and Ralphie brings in a gigantic comedic fruit basket. Yep. With pineapple and a banana and all that stuff. Now, a lot of you youngsters are like, "Who gives fruit for Christmas?" Look, fuckos. <laughs> fruit wasn't always available twenty four seven on demand. We didn't have an app on our... We, they didn't have apps on their cell phones. It's like, send me fruit, and you just got fruit in 15 minutes. No, fruit was seasonal. Fruit was not around in wintertime. So if you got fruit in wintertime, that was expensive. That was a good gift. And she got bananas and apples and oranges and pineapple and a whole bunch of stuff. That was a really expensive present, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. And, and actually, giving fruit for Christmas used to be a tradition with a lot well, of people. Well, you used to get oranges I mean, in your in your stocking as a treat. Yeah, Absolutely. So it shows what you people know. <laughs> Were you really doing this with our audience? <laughs> I'm sorry. I just... <laughs> anyway, he says it's a bribe because uh, the theme, remember the theme, he wants a good yeah. grade on the theme so he can convince his mom that uh, he's going to get a, you know, to get the BB gun. Remember that plot? Anyway, but it's also quite possible that he he has this tiny little nascent boner for this woman. Yeah. He gives her a wink, and he's, like, smiling at her in a creepy fashion. And you know what? If this isn't nipped in the bud, he could be stalking her for the rest of his life. <laughs> yeah, there, there needs to be some action taken on this promptly. <laughs> um, but that scene's over. And now we get to the decoder ring fiasco. Yeah. yeah. You do it, Steve. Yeah, well, he he's he, he had sent... I think they had mentioned it earlier in the film because, you know, he's a fan of the Little Orphan Annie radio show and, and he yeah. had sent in uh, for the decoder pin mm-hmm. so that when Little Orphan Annie gives you, like, a secret message at the end of every episode, you can have your decoder pin and only people who are members of the decoder pin club yeah. can know what the message is. So Little Orphan finally... Annie's secret society. Yeah, yeah. Which so he's, sounds way or, way ominous if you think about it. I know. It. Like, who is Little, uh, who is little Orphan Annie? Join Little that, Orphan Annie's sleeper cell when yeah. Little Orphan Annie gives you the command, kill the local police officers <laughs> in your town. <laughs> I didn't realize Little Orphan Annie had that kind of power. I mean, Little Orphan Annie has hidden explosives for you to pick up and turn into a bomb. 
<laughs> so he finally gets his decoder ring or his decoder pin in the mail. He's all excited. Yeah. He tunes in that night to the Little Orphan Annie show and mm-hmm. listens to the very end. And then the announcer gives him the message, tells him where what position to set the decoder ring in, and he reads off the numbers. So then Ralphie goes into the bathroom and sort of barricades himself in the bathroom. Yeah. Uh, because uh, as the narrator tells us, it's one of the only places where a nine-year-old boy could sit for that amount of time in peace. Yeah. <laughs> um, and usually and he's, he's in there thinking about Miss Shields, but this yeah. time he's got he's got an assignment. He's he's in there usually struggling to understand these feelings and the changes. How is he supposed to know what government official to assassinate if he doesn't decode this message from exactly. Little Annie? It's a very important message. <laughs> and so he's sitting there trying to decode it and going through the the, the letters. And uh, meanwhile, Randy's outside pounding on the door because he has to go to the bathroom. And Ralphie's like, I'm almost done. I'll be in a minute. And he keeps rushing through this message to decode it. Mm-hmm. Everybody's like, Ralphie, what's taking so long? He finally decodes the message. And the message reads, uh, don't forget to drink your Ovaltine. Right. And Ralphie's a response, crummy commercial. Yeah, son of a bitch. <laughs> the only expletive in the in the in this movie. Yeah, which is I think perfect. Yeah, actually. Yeah, and that's over. That's it. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed the the story of the decoder pin. <laughs> but now we must turn to what could have escalated very quickly into spousal abuse and the police oh. involvement, and that is the breaking. Of the old man's major award. Mm. Yeah. With only a few witnesses, only no, there's no witnesses. It's just the mom breaks the lamp, the yep. light lamp. Yep, because the old man is in the basement fighting with the furnace. Yeah. Trying to keep the family warm and from the house exploding. <laughs> and what thanks does he get? Uh, his wife breaking his major award. His dumb old no agency wife. <laughs> <laughs> breaks the lamp. <laughs> and he, of course, cu- accuses her of breaking it on purpose, which she did. And... <laughs> yep. Then he tries to glue it back together to comedic effect, and it cannot be fixed. And then it's alluded to the the fact that he buried it in the backyard. Yep. <laughs> this is this scene also, I, I, I just want to mention, has probably my favorite line in the whole movie, which is when... Uh, He's cradling the the broken remains of the lamp, and he says to his wife, <laughs> "You used, uh, you used." Yeah, she, he says, "Go get the glue," and she says, "We don't have any." And he says, "You used up all the glue on purpose." And he's so angry, you can hear his nails scratching on on the la- on the yeah. on the remains of this lamp. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> <sighs> oh, but we're back at school, and what happens? He got a C plus on his paper. Uh oh. And what good. else does it say? You'll shoot your eye out. Yeah, it says the you'll teacher, shoot your eye out. Yeah, the teacher doesn't think he should have that BB gun. So he's had a bad day at school. The likelihood of him getting this BB gun has just basically evaporated, and he's down in the dumps. But things get worse because now <laughs> we proceed to what is probably my favorite section of this of this whole movie. The murder of Scott Farkas. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. If no one had stopped him, <laughs> he would have just kept Farkas right on punching. Would have been a smear in that alleyway. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, what happens is uh, Ralphie is walking home, and uh, he gets hit with a snowball, 
and um, he has to take off his glasses, and he's just kind of emotionally tapped out. He, he, his dreams of getting this BB gun have, you know, upset him, and uh, he starts to cry. And Scott Fergus, um, stupidly, starts <laughs> to torment him about crying. And it gets it too much for Ralphie to handle, and Ralphie fly uh, does a flying tackle. <laughs> Pins Scott Farkas to the ground and proceeds to punch him like a machine. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And what does he do while he's punching him, Steve? He's swearing a blue streak. Mm-hmm. I mean, to the just... point in which the kids listening are like, "Oh my God!" One of them throws up. Another one runs away. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know how squeamish kids are about hearing profanity. Luckily, Randy. Um, goes and gets his mom. Now, yeah. he didn't, I mean, granted, they live relatively close to school, but I mean, that had to take at least 10 minutes. Randy has mobility problems from the way he's constantly bundled up. So Randy had to run home, get his mother, and then run back to where Scott Farkas is beating, getting beaten up, which means that Ralphie has been beating on this kid for 10, maybe 15 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> And when his mother finally does get there, he has grabbed Scott Farkas and is about to repeatedly beat his head into the ground. <laughs> yes. uh, now, yeah. don't get me wrong. I fully support the the alternative ending of that scene in which he does murder Scott Farkas and then grabs Grover Dill and impales him on, on, on a, a nearby fence. <laughs> Perfectly fine, because I hate both of those characters. Not because they're badly written characters. I just hate them. They're, they're, they are prototypical bill bullies. Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, mom overhears everything that he's been saying, all the awful words, the absolutely, and we're led to believe that these are the most the foulest things that have ever been spoken by a human being ever. And uh, she brings Ralphie home, and Randy becomes convinced that uh, Ralphie's uh, old man is. Uh, Randy becomes convinced that Ralphie's old man is going to murder him <laughs> when he gets yeah. back to the house. <laughs> Daddy's going to kill Ralphie. Yeah. And what happens, Steve? (laughs) Well, what happens is uh, the old man does come home, and Ralphie just sort of prepares to be murdered. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But instead, uh, his mother doesn't make a big deal about it. Uh-uh. She she mentions that he got in a fight to the old man, but she doesn't yeah. mention what a big deal it was or the swearing or anything, and it kind of just passes on. And, and the narrator says that afterwards his relationship with his mother was very different yep. because she kind of had his back. Yeah. So. <sighs> Can we end the movie there? And now that's over. <laughs> oh, darn. It's not even Christmas with... yet, Jason. You can't oh, end the Christmas uh... story when it's not even Christmas yet. Okay, so just to prove that there are no atheists in foxholes... He decides, I know what. I'll ask Santa. Yeah. This is the last ditch. I'm going to ask Santa for the BB gun. So they go back. We're back at Higby's. And uh, it's like the the last few days before Christmas, so it is jam-packed full of people. They have the most ornate Santa display I've ever seen, never, anywhere. It's bigger than than Macy's and Miracle on 34th Street. It's crazy. He's like on top of a mountain, and there's a slide. Yeah, and uh, he has to stand next to the creepiest kid in Indiana for yeah. the entire for the entire waiting in line. And when he finally gets to see Santa, Santa's a jerk. 
And I'm pretty sure he's drunk. (laughs) (laughs) And he's so dazed that he asked for a football. Well, no, Santa Santa suggests the football, and Ralphie just sort of says, you know, he just kind of nods because he's sort of in shock. Yeah. And then they make him go down the slide, and he stops himself on the slide and crawls back up and says, no, I want a Red Ryder BB gun, and what does Santa say, Steve? You'll shoot your eye out, kid. And then he mm-hmm. kicks him down the side, down the mm-hmm. slide. <laughs> <laughs> so all hope is lost. Santa was a jerk. Everyone's been telling him that he's going to shoot his face off with his BB gun. He's not getting it. But it's Christmas, right? Christmas finally gets there. And then they open their presents, and everyone gets what they want, kind of. Randy gets... <laughs> Everything. I mean, he's excited about everything. Randy's yeah. just flipping out. <laughs> and uh, Ralphie gets a comedic bunny suit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> Ralphie invents cosplay. Yes. <laughs> he, he, he literally, when I was watching this again, he, he gets his bunny suit with a pink bunny suit with big bunny ears. And they're like pajamas, right? Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, adults wear that now. That's This is not embarrassing anymore. <laughs> yeah. This is something that the grown people wear in public, not Voluntarily, just the anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> and then uh, it's it's all over, and that's the end. <laughs> uh, you're forgetting something, Jason. No, I'm not. Good night, everybody. <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't want to recount this scene, Steve, because it makes me tear up, and I don't no. like tearing up. Oh, but well, but it's the, it's it's what we've all been waiting for, though, because uh, his father says so. You know, Ralphie, did you get did, did you like your presents? Did you get everything you wanted? And he's like, eh, yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah. And he says, well, what's that back there in the corner? You must have missed that one. Mm-hmm. And Ralphie says, oh, you fucking with me, old man? He's like, no, seriously, go go check it out. So Ralphie uh-huh. goes and he open he finds a box hidden away like behind a desk in the corner of the room and yeah. he opens it up and it's <laughs> yes. it's the, it's the Red Rider BB gun. <laughs> oh. oh. And you know his mom sort of looks at at the old man and he's like what the hell are you doing? <laughs> we talked about this. We said he wasn't going to get the BB gun. We said he was too young. He can't have it. I don't listen to you. At what point do you think that you have any agency in this marriage? You shut up and you get in there and you cook the turkey. That's exactly. what you do. He's my son and I say he gets a BB gun and that's it. <laughs> and if you're not careful, the first thing he's going to shoot with it is going to be you. <laughs> and then he runs outside and he shoots himself in the face with it. Yep. Immediately. <laughs> immediately. Like, immediately. Thus validating every concern <laughs> expressed by every adult in the movie. Yeah, he, he gets shot in the glasses, glasses falls off, he steps on the glasses, breaks them, then he comes up with this obscene lie to cover up everything because no one witnessed it. And he gets away with it. Yeah. So lying works, kids. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> during all this, the Bumpus' dogs... Oh, yeah. ...rush in and eat the turkey eat the turkey because yeah the old man has been like drooling over this turkey all day and sneaking little bits of it here and there and i guess was it i guess because ralphie left the door open or something when he came back in 
the the Bumpus's dogs smell that turkey and they come on in and help themselves. And they devour it within milliseconds. They were only it's, in that kitchen for maybe three seconds or something. Yeah, it, it's quite it's quite impressive. Yeah, yeah, and now they don't have any dinner, and they starve. So, the end. The end. And then the furnace explodes. <laughs> the furnace explodes, and that's it. And it turns out the and narrator Herner was narrating Herner, from the grave. Herner steps in and goes, "This is how Christmas should end." <laughs> the joy of the holidays is but an illusion. Oh my God, <laughs> Werner Herzog's a Christmas story. <laughs> oh, someone has to make it. Come on, Werner, make a Christmas movie, man. He would play Ralphie. Oh my Maza. God. I wish to have a gun to end the suffering that is my existence. <laughs> oh, he yes. played no, better yet, he plays everybody. He plays every <laughs> character. He puts on a wig for the mom. I agree with you, but we don't have the money in order to end our miserable lives here. Why should I? Why should I help to bring about your own annihilation when I cannot yet summon the courage to cause my own? <laughs> <laughs> Mother, come to the window. <laughs> Randy is being savaged by a bear. <laughs> he has crossed the meridian between man and nature. <laughs> Perhaps through his death, new life will form in the cubs that are in her womb. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think we can all agree that would be a great movie. Yeah, boy. Mm-hmm. Anyway, what the old man gets a great idea. Right? Yeah. Out of desperation. Out of no choice. Because they don't have any dinner. What do they do, Steve? He says, let's go out to eat. And they go to a Chinese restaurant. Uh, they go to a cartoon version of yes. a Chinese restaurant. <laughs> they, go to, they go to a Chinese restaurant staffed entirely by uh, Mickey Rooney's Ch- from <laughs> Breakfast at <laughs> Tiffany's. <laughs> I would say that this is a xenophobic kind of racist um, caricature of Chinese people. Um, yeah, I'm going to stick by that. Why not? Yeah, Screw it. <laughs> it, it. I mean, it kind of is pretty much, yeah. It's 1983. We knew better. We knew the Chinese people didn't act this way. Yeah. Well, and, and I mean, the, the, the whole joke is, oh, look, they talk funny. I mean, that's pretty much, that's what we're being asked to laugh at. Mm-hmm. You know. They're not rude. They're very nice people. They're very nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you notice that the uh, name of the name of the restaurant is Bowling? <laughs> I didn't notice. Do you that. want to know why it's called Bowling? Because they took called? a bowling sign and the W is not lit up. Oh wow! <laughs> it's a bowling sign. That's. I didn't know that. It's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, so they have they have they get Chinese food for dinner, and then we cut back to the house. And we have a quiet moment with the old man and the wife. And Ralphie is going to sleep with a loaded gun. (laughs) Dreaming of shooting things. Dreaming of shooting things? (laughs) Probably thinking, oh, Scott Farkas thinks he's gotten away from me. Oh, he's so wrong. (laughs) (laughs) You can't run forever, Scott. (laughs) <laughs> Hell has come to home and Scott Farkas <laughs> Me and you are going to play the most dangerous game <laughs> There will be a reckoning, Scott Farkas <laughs> What a great sequel that would be 
<laughs> you thought I was gone, didn't you, Scott? I've learned my lesson, man. <laughs> Forgive me. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, only God forgives Scott. Now open your mouth. <laughs> oh, <yeah>. No. <laughs> A Christmas story. Retribution. Shoots Grover Dill in the leg. Yeah. <laughs> open your mouth, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh wait, is that really the end? That's the end. Oh, the end. La 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 la. We're jaded fucks. <laughs> <sighs> so, Steve, yes, how sir. do you feel about this Christmas classic, A Christmas Story? Oh, um, I like this movie. Mm. I do. Uh, and I want to make it clear at, at the at the outset that I do really like this movie. But I, I put this movie in a category with a couple of other movies that I also like, but that I find to, to be horrendously overrated. Mm-hmm. Because I really, I mean, I, I do have a genuine affection for this movie, and when it works, it's it's really really good. Yeah, I mean, some of the funny moments that 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 for me really land are just close to perfect. Like mm-hmm. the the the, re- the reaction to the kid's profanity when yeah. like the, just the ashen look on the old man's face when he gets back in the car and says, "Do you well, know what your son just that, said?" I, and we'll discuss we'll discuss this later once you're done saying how much you hate the movie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I have something to bring up in regards to how I watch this movie. Uh, a little bit, but keep going, keep yeah. going. But yeah, the, the the reaction to the profanity from the adults is hilarious to me. You mm-hmm. know, um, the uh, the 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 weird phantasmagoric nightmare that is the visit to Santa Claus. I mean, that's just terrific. There's there are a lot of little moments that that really work for me, and I think are really funny. Um, yeah. and I think it gets kids right. You know, I think the behavior, oh yeah, it does. It gets kids really right because it it doesn't. Even though it is incredibly nostalgic and really romantic, uh, it doesn't romanticize the way kids are. The kids in this movie uh-uh. are pretty are, are are not innocent little angels. They're pretty awful, and they turn yeah. on each other, and they betray each other, and they fight each other, and they do what mm-hmm. they need to do to get out of getting in trouble, even if it means you know turning in their their friends or yeah. <laughs> really the only the only noble kid in the movie is Flick when he decides not to not to rat on not his to friends. rat on the friends who left him to die on the flagpole yeah um, so it gets a lot of things really right but as we talked about when we were reviewing it it's really episodic um, it, it it does sort of feel like a lot of these scenes just kind of it's and, been cobbled together from a number of different short stories from yeah, Gene Shepard. Yeah, and it shows, you know, and and um, you know, and there are times when, uh, frankly, a lot of it doesn't work. When it just it mm-hmm. feels, or, or it's it, it never necessarily looks to me like it's bad or that it fails. But there's a, mm-hmm. there's a, a very large chunk of this movie, a lot more of it than I realized uh, before I watched it in preparation for this show, uh, that is just merely okay. Yeah. You know, it's not yeah. bad. It's not it's not like oh god. I mean, some of like the the xenophobic portrayal of the uh, of the Chinese, <laughs> the Chinese that, that's a little people. that's just I mean, it's embarrassing. It doesn't mean yeah. that the whole movie is awful, but it's just it's like mm-hmm. oh, that's unfortunate. Um mm-hmm. but there's there's some stuff like that and there's some stuff where it's yeah, you know, it's just sort of okay, you know. Yeah. So when yeah. I so when I watch the movie, I think, you know, it's not bad. And there's parts of it mm-hmm. that I really, really enjoy. But there's also huge chunks of it that are just kind of, well, that's okay. You know, yeah. so it's hard for me to say that it's like a classic, classic. Uh, 
and and for the people who do hold it up as like one of the great holiday films, uh, I can't quite go that far with it, you know. Uh, but I, I wouldn't say I, I I don't like it. I would just say I, I consider it to be below that threshold <laughs> that of greatness and classic status that a lot of people put it on, you know. Right. Um, I, I love this movie, and um, it's one of my favorite Christmas movies. And and Christmas movies do have to have a, a separate category, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the reasons why, uh, and I realized it when I was watching it this time, is that when I was a kid, I liked the movie because of how it, like you said, how it treats kids. Mm-hmm. And I would, I don't know about you, but I was one of those kids that when I got punished, I literally would fantasize after I got punished about how bad my parents would feel if something awful happened to me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Along the lines of Absolutely. being blinded by, and, by soap. Or, and I would live in terror of what my punishment would be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all of, I mean, Peter Billingsley, who plays Ralphie in this movie, is, as a kid, he is perfect. Yeah. As soon as he knows he's in trouble, he immediately starts to cry. Almost, yeah. he he knows immediately when he steps on his glasses at the end of the movie. He immediately starts to cry because he knows what that means. Um, when he <laughs> says the f word, he immediately starts to cry because he knows he knows what's coming. Yeah. Now, having said that, and having watched these, and and the other thing is, is that they're not overly schmaltzy with, they're not overly sentimental about the relationships between the parents and the children. No, there's no scenes where the the, the they all hug. You know, where everyone hugs or everyone had, you know, there's not some huge melodramatic traumatic thing. Dad has to get home for Christmas because of X, Y and Z or, you know, any of that other bullshit. This is little trivial family crap that happens around Christmas time. Nothing. None of there is no stakes in this in this movie at all. The only stake is is that he may not get a BB gun for Christmas. That's that's the to- sum total of what could happen. But for him as a kid, that's vitally important. Um so, but what we don't do is we don't over schmaltz the relationships that this family has. They are not constantly telling how much each other how much they love each other, how important they are to one another. The the two brothers, I mean, uh, Ralphie and Randy, act like siblings, mm-hmm. like actual siblings. The first time we see them together on screen, Ralphie is pushing his brother out of the way, and his brother is hitting him on the back ineffectually <laughs> because he's been slighted. Okay, one of the things that I really love about this movie is the way how they demonstrate how much they actually care for each other without resorting to bullshit. Yeah, which you usually get in Christmas movies or in other family-related dramas that you would normally see, where you have to have some sort of outpouring of emotion, or oh, someone's sick, or oh, you know, all of that, or someone's separated by whatever. Yeah. Um, For example. Ralphie and Randy. Ralphie treats Randy like an annoyance through most of the most of the movie. Like he's just, oh, my little brother's falling over and he can't get up. I gotta go back and pick him up. And he's always like, Randy, what? and Randy's got problems. Believe me. <laughs> and there is the scene after he beats up Scott Farkas, where um, he's hiding under the sink and he's crying because he thinks Ralphie, you know that that their dad is going to kill Ralphie when he gets home. Well, that's cute. But there's a, a better scene than that film, and that is when Ralphie tackles Scott Farkas, his glasses come off, and there's a shot of Randy reaching down and picking up his glasses and holding them. Yeah. And that is all we need to know about how much Randy actually cares for his brother. 
They didn't need to say it to one another. Yeah. The parents never say I love. They don't express a single thing of affection to each other any at any point in the movie, really, except for the very end where they're just sitting together watching snowfall, mm-hmm. and that's it. That's all they need. That's all we need, and that's all they. <laughs> that's all they need to express yeah. how much they feel about each other. And the last thing is when the old man buys him the uh, gives him the BB gun. No one, he doesn't say, I love you, blah, 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 blah. Ralphie goes, thanks, and he runs out. He just rushes out. He doesn't go, thank you, Dad, this is the greatest thing ever. (laughs) But that scene always makes me tear up. (laughs) Yeah, sure, I understand. Mainly because uh, the guy, uh, Jeremy McGavin, is a freaking pro, okay? Number one, he is a a pro. Number two, that whole scene is so heartfelt. And they they do the smart thing where they they cut to the not they cut away from the not interesting part, which is Ralphie goofing around with the gun, <laughs> and they cut to the reaction shot of the old man watching Ralphie with the present. That it's those those are the reasons why I like this movie. Yeah. It's not hitting you over the head with the relationship stuff. Yes, it's a comedy, and some of the comedy bits fall apart, but. It's the the interaction of the family and the subtlety that they they can that they do oftentimes use in order to express that yeah this family is almost always fighting about something and there's a lot of lying and a lot of people not being <laughs> genuine with one another but at, at at the heart of things they love one another and what I found interesting is now that I'm an adult and I have children when I was younger when I was a teenager I more identified with Ralphie but now as an as an adult father of kids. Mm-hmm. I identify with the old man almost across the board. So now I have another entryway. And when you mention the thing when uh, Ralphie, when he tells Ralphie to go back in the car after he's he said the F word, if you watch Darren McGavin's face, he knows that it's bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> he yeah. has this, he has this little, as soon as he sees that his son isn't looking at him, the whole stern, I can't believe you said the F word thing drops, and he gets this look on his face like, uh, it sucks to be you, but you know what? This is kind of funny. <laughs> this has to happen, kid. Sorry. It's the rules. <laughs> and so, I mean, it, this this is a movie where I'm surprised that it still it still hits me on different levels, and now it's, it's hitting me as, as an adult in regards to my relationship with kids. Because if you have children... It's not constant hugs and I love yous and and stuff like that. It's not like that in any family relationship. And I think that's maybe one of the reasons why people like to watch it, because while it is goofy in a lot of places, it's darkly wry throughout a lot of it. It's not... There are a couple of times where you could say it's putting a sugar coating on certain things, right? Right. But it's not to the point in which it looks like a, a postcard, their tree isn't glorious. Their tree, it actually, it is... You know, it, they could have gone overboard and made Christmas this magical wonderland day. But all it really is is that it snowed the night before. Their tree is decorated awfully, but not to comedic effect. It looks pretty relatively pedestrian. But through yeah. the eyes of this kid, it's the most amazing thing. It's the most amazing thing ever. And... I don't know. I love the movie. I, 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 it's pro, it's my second favorite Christmas Christmas movie. Wow. For those reasons, it's 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 not, um, it's not anything. It's not anything you have to take seriously. It's just one of those movies that makes you feel good. 
yeah. at the end, and you're just like, oh well, that was that was nice. It's not it's not feeding you a message. It's not even telling you that Christmas is awesome. Really, <laughs> it's just it's this guy relating a story about this time he got a BB gun. That's a movie. <laughs> That's a whole movie. Dude gets a BB gun when he's eight. The end. <laughs> So would you recommend the movie, Steve? I would recommend it. Yeah, I mean, like I say, I, I I find it I find it to be overrated by the by by people like you. Whatever, but no, sure. but, <laughs> but I do. I mean, I do enjoy it. I had a good time watching it this time. I've I've enjoyed it over the years as I've seen it on TV or whatever. And I, yeah, of course, I would recommend it. It's it's a sweet movie. It's and when it when it works, it's a really really funny movie. Hmm. I'm not recommending it. No. Ah, no, I am going to recommend it completely. Um, despite what curmudgeons like Steve say, <laughs> it's a good movie and I love it. And I love it. And I watch it every year. <laughs> and the only reason he's saying that is because he doesn't have kids. The instant he has a kid, whether he steals one or one saddled to him by the state, I don't know how that would work. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to <laughs> force me to raise a child. And so, so from the states, it's just like we heard you didn't have a kid here. Wait, I don't want this tough shit. You've been freeloading long enough. The rest of us have them. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, we both recommend it. It's a good movie. Go see yeah. it. A Christmas story. It's better than a punch in the mouth at Christmas, right? It's it's better than that beating that Ralphie put on poor Scott Farkas. <laughs> An MMA style riding punch until the ref oh came in and God. stopped it. Jesus. <sighs> and now it's time for us to recommend um, another movie. Um, Steve? Yes. Do you have another uh, another movie to recommend? I do actually. During this festive holiday season? Yeah. While we eat our chestnuts oh, and, yeah. and sit <laughs> and by the fire? Roast our fires or whatever. You know. <laughs> yeah, whatever. The curl Christmas pray to Santa thing. <laughs> pray to Santa, exactly, exactly. Yeah, I have another. I have a movie that uh, has. I guess it's mostly under the radar. It came out about twenty years ago. Um, it's mm -hmm. decently regarded by people who know of it, but for some reason, it has always stuck with me. And, and it's been one of my favorite Christmas movies uh, since I first saw it. And okay. uh, it also, like a Christmas story, deals with family dynamics, uh, but in a very different way. And it is a black comedy from 1994 called The Ref. Oh, jeez, um, yeah. Yeah, starring... It was actually... It was one of the first major film roles for for uh, Dennis Leary. And uh -huh. it also stars Kevin Spacey before he was quite as big of a deal. This was before Usual Suspects that really broke him loose as a big star. And also Judy mm -hmm. Davis. Um, yeah. And uh, J.K. Simmons is in there, too, if you if you keep your eyes peeled. Uh, so oh, a, really, a really good cast. And... Uh, it's just it's it's the story of a of a of a, a home invader, a burglar who takes a bickering married couple hostage out of desperation to uh, escape the police on Christmas Eve, and he gets caught up in their marital troubles and their conflict with their son and with their their uh, the the husband's mother and his family, and it just it it it's something that I've always enjoyed watching every Christmas. I think it's really funny. There are some really great scenes uh, between the kids and the the mother. Uh, it builds to a nice sort of explosion 
of of family tension and it's like it's it's just one of my favorite christmas movies and it's not a very typical christmas movie because it is a black comedy and there is a lot of cynicism in it but it also has a very sort of it ultimately has a very heartwarming message even if even if it is a little forced at the end <laughs> the, yeah. the, the resolution it doesn't quite earn the ending that it that it provides uh Mm-mm. but uh but it, it it's it's still something that works with me so i would recommend if you haven't seen it uh the ref no oh. Good. I'm going to uh, recommend a uh, Christmas classic that I'm sure everyone else has already seen, so I'm not really quite sure why I'm recommending it. Yeah. And that is uh, everyone's favorite, Ernest Saves Christmas. It stars... <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not recommending that. Actually, I kind of am. Anyway, it's... As I destroy my own reputation as a critic... It, by is, what, you know, it is probably the best of the Ernest films. It's probably also one of the best Santas ever yeah, true. put on screen. Very true. Um, actually, the best the best uh, uh, Ernest movie is Ernest Goes to Jail. But I cannot believe we're actually <laughs> well, we need we're to actually do a, talking about We need to do an Ernest episode one of these days. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to cheat a little bit because this is a movie that was never released into theaters. It was made for TV. It, I believe it appeared on CBS. Um in the late 80s, and that is um, a version of A Christmas Carol that stars that most British of actors, George C. Scott. (laughs) Now, before you go, what the hell are you talking about? George C. Scott is not British. No, he's not. But for my money, and I've seen a lot of different versions of A Christmas Carol, I've read the short story, this is my favorite Christmas Carol uh, version of this story that I have seen, um, mainly because um, it's not over-the-top sentimental. A lot of people take the core story and they kind of go way crazy with Ebenezer Scrooge's redemption at the end, where mm-hmm. he dresses up like Santa Claus and he just starts throwing money all over the place and he busts into the Cratchit's home and says, look at me, I'm the, I'm the nice guy, I'm super great, yay for <laughs> me, I'm going to help everybody, and everyone's you know flabbergasted or whatever. And in this version, they take Scrooge's redemption and they make it a personal redemption, something that's specific to him and about uh, the whole point of it was this is what you have going. It's kind of like It's a Wonderful Life. This is everything that you've missed out on in your life. And we kind of understand why you're bitter, but you don't have to be because there is still a possibility for you to have family and for you to be a decent person (laughs) (laughs) because there are people who could use your help and would appreciate it. And we don't have Scrooge just going way giggly and dancing in the street and all this other stuff. We have a more sedate ending that uh, is more in line with uh, George C. Scott. And the other thing that that preserves, one of the things that I really like about uh, 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 this version of A Christmas Carol, none of these ghosts like Scrooge at all. Even a little bit, and boy, the the ghost of Christmas present flat out hates his rotten, stinking guts, and he takes every opportunity to slap Scrooge in the face with his own words whenever he can get away with it. Um, who's also uh, the guy who plays the ghost of Christmas present is, uh, I believe, the Equalizer. I can't remember his oh, name. Wow. Uh, can't remember his name. Darn it. But it's also one of my favorite films because David Warner plays Bob Cratchit. So we actually get to see David Warner not play a bad guy for once or not play an evil psychopath. Yeah, it's a rare (laughs) opportunity. 
but you you should be able to find it. You'll uh, be able to recognize it because it has George C. Scott on the cover. <laughs> It's the only way you're going to be able to identify it. Just keep going, keep looking for it. A Christmas Carol. I'm sure you'll find it on Netflix or somewhere else. You'll see George C. Scott. And um, if you like something that's a little bit lower key and um, a bit more dramatic and hits the more personal stuff really, really hard and it's not a musical, um, then George C. Scott, A Christmas Carol. It's awesome. Take my word for it. I know. <laughs> I'm the one that liked a Christmas story. Don't listen to Steve, okay? <laughs> Steve's favorite Christmas movie is about uh, two people are about to get a divorce. <sighs> I didn't say anything that, bad about your record. sounds like a bummer. <laughs> His favorite Thanksgiving movie is The Ice Storm, okay? Get it? <laughs> it's a good movie! It's a little depressing. A little. <laughs> I'm joking. You could, you could. Steve's got good taste. I wouldn't have asked him to do this show if I did think he had good taste in movies. I agree with his choice. I like the ref too. It's not something I would watch snuggled up on Christmas Eve, but <laughs> you know, I'm not here to cast judgment. I'm here. You know, this is Christmas time. I need to be nicer. I'm going to take a page out of Ebenezer Scrooge. Merry Christmas, Steve. Oh, Merry Christmas, Jason. And Merry Christmas to everybody out there, even if you don't celebrate Christmas. Fuck you. Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> fa la 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 la, you sons of bitches. Or joyous Yuletide, or happy Chakawana, Hanukkah, right? That's how you say it. Sure. Okay. And Kwanzaa and uh, Saturnalia. I'm sure there's people out there celebrating that, too. <sighs> Oh, and if you have a movie that you'd like us to review, remember it has to be at least 10 years old and has to be considered a classic. So if you want to do that, uh, send us, uh, send me an email at uh, Let Me Listen Podcast. Go to the contact page and leave it there. So uh, until next time, uh, joyous Yuletide, everyone. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Happy Holidays. You have one homework assignment when we do these. Have a good time. Some... Actually, you know, you, I do have something. Have I, a good time. I do, I do, I do have, I do have something that I think you should know. <clears throat> Gene Shepard is flapping his gums throughout this entire thing. You have to have at least one quote. I do. I well, I just there is something I, I think you should know. Do you know what your son said outside? No. He said. Wait. He said. No, I was. He has a speech impediment. I was, I was stage whispering. I just. Oh, all right, right, right. He said the f dash 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 word. He literally said f dash dash dash. That's not so bad. I thought it was weird too. I think we should take him to a doctor. Yeah, probably. Otherwise, you know, it's 1940. They'll put him in a booby hatch. <laughs> yeah, I've. I saw those places when I was in the army. We don't want our kid going to one of them. Have you ever noticed that our son just stares off into space for long periods of time? With his mouth moving and nothing going on, and it takes a long time to get his attention back? Yeah, yeah. I know we were worried about Randy because he has a problem eating, but Ralphie is scarier. <laughs> Ralphie is the reason why I keep a gun under the pillow. I caught him dissecting one of the Bumpus's dogs the other day. <laughs> Merry Christmas, everybody! Bye! Bye! <laughs> Late Seating is a Lemmy Listen podcast production featuring Steve Shives and Jason Harding. 
Music by Kevin McLeod. Produced by Jason Harding. You can find more Let Me Listen podcasts at our website at www.lemmelistenpodcasts.com. You can also find us on Facebook, SoundCloud, and iTunes under Let Me Listen. Please like and leave a review. And thanks for listening.